Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm David First. It's Monday, April 21st, and it's time for WQXR's Washington Report Online. Joining us now, as he does every week, is the New York Times' David Sanger. Good morning, David. Morning, Dave. David, President Obama spent part of his Memorial Day weekend flying to Afghanistan for a four-hour visit with the troops. Why now? And, and what does the visit suggest about the decision he has to make in coming months about whether to leave a residual force of Americans in Afghanistan after the promised withdrawal later this year? You know, Dave, this uh, trip gave him a chance to do two things. One, thank the troops in a, in a conflict that many Americans don't think about very often. Uh, and uh, this was the first time he'd been there in, uh, in two years. It also gave him a chance to talk to the ground commanders before he decides whether it's going to be 5,000 or 10,000 troops or no troops that will be left uh, in Afghanistan as sort of a residual training force, but they're not supposed to be there as as a combat force. Um, One way to to think about this trip is about um, what happened, what didn't happen, and what shouldn't have happened. Um, What did happen was that he, he got a chance before Memorial Day to go provide some entertainment that he brought along on Air Force One and thank the troops. What didn't happen was that he never saw Hamid Karzai, the president of Afghanistan. He didn't go into Kabul for security reasons. Karzai issued this very stiff statement saying he was uh, perfectly happy to welcome the president, but not at Bagram Air Force Base. And so the miserable relationship that the U.S. has had with Karzai uh, continues to the last days of his term. And what shouldn't have happened? Uh, The White House turned out a list of people who were at the president's meeting and mistakenly included, identified as chief of station, the name of the CIA station chief in Kabul. He'll probably have to leave the country now. Over the weekend, you wrote in the Times Review section that one of the president's big tasks at his West Point graduation ceremony on Wednesday is to restore confidence in America's power to deter aggressive behavior from Egypt to China. Yet uh, Americans make it clear they are not interested in any more foreign interventions. Uh, How how do you bring these two ideas together? It's going to be hard for him because the pendulum has really uh, swung from the uh, speech that President Bush gave at West Point in 2002, which was when he announced the preemption strategy, to the current speech. Uh, given at a time period where the president's really reflecting the national mood that uh, a conflict has to be of very direct national interest for the U.S. to go in. President aides have said that he's going to try to, to show a middle ground uh, between uh, the isolationist tendencies we've seen in the U.S. in recent times and the need at times to intervene, perhaps not militarily, uh, in a heart-wrenching conflict like Syria or uh, in uh, places like the Boko Haram case in Nigeria, where American power needs to be felt, but not necessarily with a long occupation. Okay, David, here at home, the Justice Department indicted five members of China's People's Liberation Army on charges of cyber espionage. Why was this such a big departure from past American practice? It was a departure because in the past, the United States has said that it would have to work out diplomatically with China any of the differences that they have over the norms of how one operates in cyberspace. And the Chinese basically did not respond to the calls that they cracked down on the theft of intellectual property from American companies. 
So this indictment goes uh, after five members of the People's Liberation Army who are believed to be behind some of the thefts from Westinghouse, from Alcoa, from a, uh, a small uh, company that makes uh, solar equipment. And the idea is to basically do a shot across the Chinese bow. Now, there's a lot of this just symbolism. These individual officers in the PLA are never coming to the United States, will never stand trial here, and everybody understood that. The question is, how do the Chinese respond to this new pressure? And we simply don't know the answer to that yet. Does China draw a distinction between corporate and political espionage? Uh, not the way we do. The, uh, the way China has operated in the past is to say that they uh, conduct spying for national security purposes, but they've denied that these PLA officers or even that the PLA unit, they're part of one that uh, my colleagues and I wrote about last year uh, called Unit 61398, uh, even exists to do cyber spying. In the U.S., we say that we do spying for national security purposes, and we've learned a lot about that with the Snowden revelations, but that we don't spy on behalf of companies and give the data to uh, American firms uh, the way the Chinese would give them to Chinese firms. So we don't even have a common agreement about what constitutes legitimate spying or not. The New York Times' David Sanger. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. I'm David First, and that's The Washington Report on Classical 105.9 FM. WQXR.